In a post-Christian culture today, what is apologetics good for? I was involved in a conversation not too long ago with somebody, and we were talking about how apologists can be rather cantankerous and contentious instead of contending for the faith. Well, folks, I want to set the record straight today and tell you a little bit about our ministry and what I believe the role of apologetics is in the church. Thank you for listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. My name is Rob Lundberg. What? No pagan invasion introduction today? No, um, what I want to do today is, um, I was involved in a conversation, I've been, I, 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 this past week I jumped back on on Twitter, and I've been noticing some things in some of the tweets that I've been seeing on Twitter about how there seems to be a negative connotation about what apologetics is, and of course, Having done apologetics for over 36 years, I guess, I started probably three years after I was saved being aggressively involved in apologetics, more so in the counter-cult movement than anything at that time until I ran into Dr. Norman Geisler's book, Christian Apologetics, and I read that for fun before it became a textbook when I was in seminary. But nevertheless... What is the role of apologetics in the life of the believer and the life of the church? You know, my family and I, we, I must say that we live what we call the apologetic life. And as far as that is concerned, it deals with our family discipleship. Now, does that mean that we are bulletproof or that we are not going to have any uh, troubles uh, where we're going to question our faith or have our faith challenged. Now, it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, what I'm going to do in, in this show today is I want to deal with what I call the four prongs of apologetics and just share from my heart because there's no reason for a negative connotation of apologetics when we understand, number one, it's biblical right out of the gate of the Bible in the very first verse where Moses was using a plural for God and a third-person singular verb, which may be an indirect reference to God's, God's disclosure on maybe the plurality nature or the triune nature of God. When I use that term plurality, I gotta be very, very careful here. But what I wanna do today is I want to set the record straight. You know, because there's a lot of people out there that are being cantankerous when it comes to apologetics. And I think some pastors out there see that and they get a little worried if they have them in their church. And rightly so. And then I think sometimes what happens is that stereotypes the rest of us with regards to how they think apologetics is 
instead of going and looking at the individual and how they do it and maybe even getting to know them and how they can be beneficial to your church. Now, I have a few colleagues out there that have, you know, been doing this for a little while, and I'm grateful for them to be able to give me some guidance on this. Because I believe more than ever that apologetics is necessary. And let me tell you why. I was having a conversation with somebody not too long ago, and they asked me, what is it that you're seeing in the culture? Well, what I'm seeing in the culture, and I wrote an article on this and how the, evangel- how the American church has lost its evangelical mind. You can go to my blog post. And, uh, you can go to my website and, and find the blog post there. I can also um, provide that for you if you send me an email at roblundberg315 at gmail.com. But if you look at history and the history of the church from the Great Awakening all the way to our present day, there have been two key events and maybe a third that has provided me some insight as far as why we need it even more than ever today. And that is this. Number one, when when Darwin wrote his book, Origin of Species, the church turned inward and went to experience and just the Bible. And of course, science and everything, we became anti-scientific and science became a battleground for many, many Christians. Instead of seeing God as the God of science and creating science to help us learn more about the world around us and find answers to questions about the world around us and ultimately point us to him. And that's why I'm a strong believer in natural or general revelation as a starting point because the Bible shows it as well in Psalm 19.1 and, and Romans chapter 126 and, and following with regards to the fact that nobody's going to be without excuse in knowing whether or not God exists because all they need to do is start with their senses and let the senses take them out to the special revelation, which ultimately leads them to the word of God and prayerfully, hopefully, the Holy Spirit draws them to salvation and and faith in Jesus Christ. You see how that process works. So... When we talk about apologetics, I can get into all the scripture verses, and if you want to uh, see that, uh, you can ask for all the scriptures because I've got them in my lecture notes for my lecture notes at Cornerstone College when I teach the introduction to apologetics. I've done an exhaustive study on where we see apologetics in the Bible, and it's right out of the first verse of the Bible. But what roles what roles do apologetics or does apologetics roles do roles does what roles do apologetics serve in the life of the believer and in the church and some of the things that some of the examples I'll give you you might not um, you might not like but you know I can um, I guess the best way to put this is just lay it all on the table. Because there is a concern with regards to the things that are coming. And believers 
and how the level of their faith is now. You might be thinking, well, Rob, you don't trust the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. I do. I do. But the thing of it is, when things come down, when suffering and trials happen, I have folks, I have talked to too many people that have had loved ones or even themselves suffering, and I've had to go into a pastoral mode to go and show them that there's enough in the Christian faith to go and show how suffering, our suffering does not compare to what Jesus went through on the cross. And I take them through the whole process on that. And even last February when I was in the hospital, it was a stark, stark reminder for me with my gastrointestinal injury that I had suffered that what Christ went through and the pain that I went through, the pain I went through was nothing compared to what Jesus went through. So there's a practical sense. But let me get into that. I'll, I'll get into the four angles of apologetics. But first off, let me just talk to you about the goal of apologetics. First, you know, you hear too much about apologetics and apologists being argumentative and everything. But what we do need to understand that apologetics is about giving reasons and evidences for the Christian faith and knowing why not just what we believe is true, but why we believe it to be true. And of course, you know, I can give you an analogy because the word apologia, wherever Paul uses it in the book of Acts and where Peter uses it in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it's always in a forensic sense and not in a military sense. Okay? So please understand that. It's always in a forensic because folks... More, more so today than ever, we need to have a forensic faith. And by the way, my friend Jay Warner Wallace has written a book called Forensic Faith as well, so uh, you might want to check that out. But the goal of apologetics is toward the seeker in evangelism. You know, what we do is we do look at uh, apologetics as other angles, and I'm going to talk to you about those as well. But you know, we want to talk about the goal whenever we're talking to the skeptic. We want to talk about to the, get them to the gospel. Christian conversion is a radical turning away from sin, selfishness, Satan, and to turn in repentance and trust and faith in God, his will, and his kingdom. It is not about adding a dose of confusion to make the gospel sound more profound, but it is more about clearing away the confusion for the person and, and, and bringing them to the point of understanding the person and the work of Jesus Christ to show the beauty of the gospel. That's what, the, what we should be thinking about when we think of about apologetics. Now, when I talk about faith, faith involves more than just the bare assent to intellectual facts. It also includes entrusting oneself in an existential act to Christ and his cause. So, Apologetics aims at conversion and some not, not some generic spirituality or religious existentialism because, you know, if we go and we think that we can go and win an argument, we're going to lose the soul. You can win an argument, folks, and lose the soul. I learned that from the late, great Dr. Walter Martin where we can go and we can cut off the rose and give them the, give, cut off the nose and give them the rose to smell. That's not what it's about. But apologetics can show that repentance toward the gospel, that life makes sense because Christianity is true and rational 
and it should be seen as attractive so long as we communicate it with wisdom and character. Now, I can talk to you about what apologetics can do and what it can't do. I think you can go back to one of my podcast episodes back last year, and you can go back and you can check those things. But what I want to remind you of is the fact that apologetics cannot give someone 100% certainty and answer all their questions. You know, God has placed enough in this world to make faith the most reasonable proposition, but he's left enough out to make it totally impossible to live by reason alone. So if you are a pastor and and you're thinking and you're listening to this and you're thinking that we can have absolute indubitable certainty that Christianity is true, there's no room for faith. What we need to understand is that there has to be room for faith. Now, I've gone uh, back and forth with some Muslims in, in, in a clubhouse app on the whole subject of the Trinity, and I've just, like I just shared with you, I jumped on Twitter this week, and I have a, a deal on there where, you know, some people are talking about the Trinity as being one plus one plus one equals three, but it isn't that because you deal with the nature and the person of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. They're co-equal co- in essence and nature, but they're two, three separate persons, so it's one times one times one equals one God. The Father's God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but they are not each other um, if you go around that circle. So let me get to the whole idea of this whole thing on, you know, what apologetics in the life of the believer and and also the church. So, you know, you got a general gist on one of the first things here is that apologetics is about validating Christian truth. You know, when you and I are going and wondering about somebody going and pontificating or talking about something that's just not totally true about Jesus. We can go and use apologetics to refute gently that idea, whether it's in our mind or whether it's face-to-face, it's up to the Holy Spirit. But it validates at least for us that Christianity is true. You know, that Jesus is historical. He's a historical person. He did exist. And you've got people out there denying, um, uh, like Michael Shermer and, and, and others, they, you know, the, they're going and saying that Jesus never existed. When Bart Ehrman, who was a, scape, a skeptic, teaches at Charlotte, North Carolina, UNC, has gone and told his atheistic community that Jesus did exist, and they need to stop making that their, their argument. Um, we can talk about the existence of God and that God you know, it's, it's reasonable to believe that God exists. We could talk about um, the, the Trinity and talking about that and defending, say, the Trinity with regards to, say, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, or even United Pentecostal Church, which is a professing Christian group, but they have the wrong Jesus. So that, that's, that's, a, that's a, a Christian, non-Christian cult, if you will. The non, you know, if you got the wrong view of the Trinity, you're wrong enough to lose the your salvation. To you're wrong enough to say that you don't have the right Jesus because if it's a Jesus-only thing, you know, it just doesn't validate with historical Christianity. And I think you get the general gist on this. So, and that's where another prong is here. It's about refuting error. You know, there's a lot of error in the church today, you know, from the folks of the, 
the prosperity uh, word faith movement and the new apostolic reformation and non-Christian cults and even uh, false teachers with regards to understanding what the gospel is. All you need to do is just go to 1 Corinthians 15 and go to verses 1 through 4 and see that it's that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose on the third day according to scriptures. And Paul says in the very first verses of that passage that this is the gospel that I have received and was delivered to me, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose on the third day, according to the scriptures. So, the other thing with regards to this, I, I, I bring this in because when you deal with the lost person, another prong is evangelism, or save the lost. Uh, folks, I'm going to have this graphic as the graphic for this episode so that you can see uh, what, we're, what we're talking about here. So like the north point on this would be validate Christian truth, and I'm going west, and then I'm going east, and then I'm going to get to the, the south point, if you will. So one is validate Christian truth. Number two, refute error. And as I just started to say, there's a lot of error in the church today as far as views on who Jesus is, trying to bring Jesus down to our level, which is not allowing Jesus to be who he is supposed to be. Uh, you, you get a lot of that sometimes in the, some of the music because basically some of the music is put together by theological midgets in the contemporary Christian market, and they, they just don't have a theological backbone to go and understand that what they're promoting is error and undercutting the pastor's message in, in the sermon. But I'll leave that alone right now. And if you have any questions on that, please email me at roblundberg315. I'll be more than happy to dialogue with you or even have coffee with you if you want to talk about that, because I want to be gracious to those in the church because, you know, they're sheep. And not all sheep are at the same knowledge level as other sheep. And a lot of uh, sheep aren't as discerning as maybe some other sheep. So, uh, But nevertheless, we have the same Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever because that Holy Spirit is God and Jesus is God. But the God that the Holy Spirit is not Jesus and Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. But if it refers to God, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, no matter what. So we, when we talk about refuting error, there's a lot of error in the church. So validating Christian truth, refuting error, and I alluded to this in the very beginning of our episode today, was saving the lost or evangelism. You know, evangelism should be the goal, and I, I, I piecemealed some things there, but the goal of apologetics should be evangelism. But also, when you talk about apologetics and evangelism, you don't want to cut off the person's nose and give them the rose to smell and then think that they're going to come to faith in Christ because the other thing is too that if you think that you're going to win somebody 
because of your arguments or your great argumentation, if you're really, really uh, somebody who knows all the arguments, and if you think that your arguments are going to draw somebody to faith in Christ, you've got the wrong motive for apologetics. Because the Holy Spirit has to be involved in your defense. And I'll, let, me, let me share this with you, because I was a skeptic when I became, I was 16 years old, and when, when I was a skeptic, somebody challenged me to investigate the Christian faith. And I did, and tried to refute the resurrection of Jesus, only to run into the resurrected Jesus in the Gospels, where the Holy Spirit moved in my heart and my mind and changed, flipped the switch from unbelief to belief so that I could be saved on June 26th of 1980. Folks, I, from that point on, I wanted to know why Christianity was true even more than I was challenging people and why they believed Christianity was true when I was a skeptic. So apologetics can be used by the Holy Spirit when it is used correctly. Please understand that. But the last prong I want to deal with is kind of goes along the lines with, the, with the, the prong of validating Christian truth is a key word. And that is the, the word discipleship. Now, I could do a whole show on just discipleship and how we've fallen short in our discipleship since 9-11 and even prior because what we did when Darwin wrote his Origin of Species was the church turned inward. Instead of going and answering the arguments for why Darwin's science was faulty, we allowed the foothold of Darwinism to infiltrate the commentaries of many Baptist theologians. And we also allowed in our culture where the church fell short in responding to the issue of slavery, not seeing a human being with darker skin equal in the, with the likeness in the likeness of image and Im the image and likeness of God. So you see the ills on where this might have happened. But as you move forward in history of this nation, not just Darwin's origin of species, but 9-11. As I mentioned earlier, I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and we were talking about apologetics pre-9-11 and apologetics post-9-11. Do you realize that the atheists went ballistic writing books as a result of religion and rallies were, hand, were occurring in D.C. held by militant atheists trying to deconvert Christians from their faith. And there was a fallout. Folks, we're not just seeing a fallout from 9-11 and questions being asked and answered by atheists and you know, Christian kids going to the wrong sources because we have been weak and going getting in, in, answers out, and that's when I really got involved in in apologetics was after right around nine eleven. But I want to let you know that 
we still are seeing deconversion because of the deconstruction that we're seeing in our culture. We are seeing a deconstruction like we have never seen before, and it's aggressive. And it only goes to prove to me that the return of Jesus is imminent. How soon, we don't know. But folks, we need to be ready. We really need to think about what is going on in our culture, in the, not just our culture, but in the life of the church. Because we have progressive Christianity, critical race theory, socialism, uh, uh, critical theory, uh, intersectionality. We have all of these cultural Marxist ideas that have crept into the church and created a new form of Christianity that was really started in the emergent church of the late 90s, early turn of the century with regards to this. And we're seeing deconstruction, deconstruction, uh, conversion, uh, deconversions, if you will, and that's because our discipleship has been poor. So, you know, talk about validating Christian truth. If you go and look at some of these folks that are deconverting, they have not been discipled properly with regard by the church to be able to go and say, you know, I have a problem with the evil. I have a problem with the authenticity of the Bible. God, are you there? Jesus, you know, are you more than just a social justice warrior? Are you really God? Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that I'm going to be addressing starting next week on the Let's Get Real podcast as we go through this. But it is also, lastly, to strengthen the church. When you have strong believers, uh, you have families that are strong believers having their faith and the, the, the validating of Christian truth, and you start going and having training and 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 you know a block here a block there or a night here a night there where somebody is presenting something that is the desire of the pastor knowing full well that he has the resource in that church then if that person is trustworthy then that they they need to be working together because folks we got people questioning whether or not the pastor in the pulpit actually believes what they believe and why they believe what they believe. I think it was the Pew Forum that said about 30%. Nevertheless, neither here nor there, we need to really start thinking about apologetics in the life of the church and the life of the believer. You know, one of the things that we do as a family is we go through our discipleship time you know, during the week We've gone through the 12 points that show Christianity to be true that I shared with you. Some things, some past episodes on, on that where truth exists. If truth exists, then God exists. God exists and miracles are possible. If miracles are possible, then the greatest miracle of all, so on and so forth. 12 points. We've gone through that with our, our family. We just finished a week or so ago Greg Kolkel's, Greg Kolkel's tactics uh, uh, video series, but you can also see some of his stuff and all. Let me recommend that you go and you check out some of these sources, even on YouTube, because they have blocks, even as short as they are, so that you can take your family through them and be able to go and go on YouTube and look up, say, like Frank Turek, Jay Warner Wallace, 
Greg Kokel. Those are three trust, trustworthy ones. They're fr- they're, all three of those guys are friends of mine, and I give them shout-outs on our show today. But I want to let you know that, folks, we need to be involved. We need to be about, understand that Christianity has valid truths. We need to be using apologetics to refute the error that is coming across, not just in the church, but also in our culture. We need to use apologetics to strengthen our church and our discipleship. And we also, more importantly, as equally important as these four, use it as a means, as a tool, as a handmaiden for our evangelism. Because a lot of times what we do is we do drive-by evangelism or we do spiritual mugging and all, and we hope that we're sowing seeds on fertile ground and only to find out maybe later that, you know, I can't say, and I'm not going to. But all I'm saying is I wanted what I wanted to do, I think I've accomplished in this episode today, is just share from my heart why... Christianity involves apologetics. You can find out more about our ministry at roblundberg.org. I've gone and I've got pages. If you go to the resources link at the top navigation bar and drop down, you'll see that I have links and responses to pages of Islam, athe- uh, not atheism, Mormonism, the New Age Cosmic uh, Chaos, and also America's Cultural Ward. I just put that on within the last 48 hours. So, And then I've also got resources. If you just click on resources, you get some of the information that we have gone and put on as well. So you've got some PDFs of PowerPoint presentations and all. But I'm going to be changing some things up on my website, so keep an eye on that at roblundberg.org. If you do have any questions, please email me at roblundberg315 at gmail.com. And until next week, I want to thank you for indulging us today, first and foremost, but until next week, as you go out this week, uh, you know, with the weather hopefully getting a little bit better wherever you're listening to us, and, you know, with it being cold here in Virginia, it was six, it was single digits this morning, which was kind of uh, the coldest that we've had in a while. But nevertheless, it gives us an opportunity to get out and see people and talk to people and all and encourage people. And that's what we need to be about. We need to be encouraging people where people are struggling. We can go and remind them about the struggles that uh, uh, the disciples, even in the Gospels, had with regards to where Jesus was talking about uh, people going away because he was teaching them about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And you're speaking in hyperbole there. And then people left him. And we see people leaving Jesus today, if they have him at all. But Jesus asked a question. He asked Peter, do you want to go away also? For me, as I have gone and I've had struggles in my walk, I'm always reminded of this passage and Peter's words. It isn't just Peter's words where he says, set apart Christ as Lord in your heart and be ready always to give a reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect in his letter. But he asks this question. 
And if I'm speaking to somebody here that is questioning with everything that's going on, you're thinking about walking in the the faith and you've been strong in your Christian faith, let me give you a pastoral question. As you think about this and you ponder on it, please understand I know that maybe you might have some doubts. Doubts are good as long as you don't live in those doubts and you deal with those doubts. But let, don't let those doubts overtake you to the level of deconverting. Let me ask you this. If you've been strong in your faith, if you've been strong in your faith, and now you're here where you're at, let me ask you a question. Where else are you going to go? That's what Peter asked Jesus. Where else can we go? Because, Lord, you have the words of life. Think about that. And you might be able to use that with somebody that you know that might be thinking about deconversion. little tip there. But as you go out this week... Be listening for those opportunities that you have to go and share the truth of Christianity. It may be the gospel. It may be that Jesus is truly God and truly man. It may be that God exists or that Jesus was virgin born. We just came out of Christmas last month. But as you go out this week, As I always close this podcast, go out, listen, and don't just hear somebody, but listen to what people are saying. And if you're led by the Holy Spirit to get involved in the conversation, listen some more before you start talking. But more importantly, as you go out, go out. Be the light of Jesus Christ with the goal. Go out and give them heaven. And we'll be back with you next week. Lord bless.